Hi everyone, this is Ashley Farrod and you're listening to Behind the Bio. This podcast is about the people behind the professions. In this particular episode, Ben Youssef joins me. Now, Ben is the owner of his own studio, which is called Ben Calvert Photography. And when I say studio, I mean essentially he is almost a one-man band who looks after photographic needs for many clients, corporate, private, and others. In this particular conversation, we find out how he got into photography, the different paths he had to take in order to actually make it successful, and how hard and easy at the same time it was to follow his passion. We also discuss how he finds his point of difference. I mean, what is a Ben Covered photo? Well, we'll get an answer to that in the podcast. We also get an answer to what it was like shooting photos for OnlyFans, not his account, I should say, and we find out about many other career adventures that he had along the way. If you're interested in photography of any kind, or if you're just interested in Ben Yosef slash Calvert, then this most certainly is the podcast for you. I'd like to thank the Coordinate Group for making this episode, and of course, all the others in this series possible. And here is the conversation with Ben Yosef. Hi Ben, how are you going? Very well, thanks Ash. <laughs> it's good to hear. Thanks for coming to see me on this, what is a rather miserable uh, April date. I would have thought that it's before Anzac, so it should have been warm, but <laughs> here we are in jackets and stuff. No, it's, it's definitely heater time already. <laughs> yeah, that's like the Canberra thing, right? <laughs> they, said, they said you're not supposed to touch your heaters until Anzac, but there is no way I can last that long. I don't know if you can. No, I think that's a myth. We, it, uh, it, we always turn our heater on before, especially in the car. <laughs> You get like that awkward phase of the year where it's like heater in the morning mm. and then you you have to turn the aircon back in the, uh, in the evening yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, you and I met mostly over the Canberra Centre shoots that you've been doing because yeah, um, I believe that's so. one of your main clients. Is yeah. That, yeah. Um, and I don't know which one it was, but it was might have been actually something really embarrassing where I think I might have been even modelling. Yes, I was. <laughs> I was. And there was like a like a feature about what I was wearing, like almost like a, you know, an autumn wardrobe yeah. thing. Yeah, I remember we right. did it just outside of the Canberra Centre and I remember that was probably the first time that I met you. Yeah, you're right. I was thinking it might have been when I saw you um, sort of setting up for some music stuff, but it was the first time I met you, I took your photo. Yeah. Well, that <laughs> was a proper meeting, like where you know, I got yeah. to know you and I'm like, oh, I have yeah. to look. You know, the funny thing is when you look into the barrel of a lens, it's almost like you're connecting with the photographer. Yeah. You know, it's equally as uh, yeah. personal yeah, in a way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I know I get shy, but there you go. Um, so let's talk about this. Uh, how long have you had your business? Uh, I guess I've had this business for around six years now in <clears throat> some shape or form. Um, I think I registered the, the, the business name in 2017. Yeah, yeah. yeah so about, and were you, uh, by that point, were you, I'm presuming though, it's not like you registered a business name and then, and then all of a sudden client. that's all I was yeah, doing. Yeah, no, I'm no, presuming no. <laughs> you already were having kind of freelance work opportunities prior to that, right? I was doing a little bit, yeah. Um, trying to think of sort of how to sort of s- detail how I started. I, I started off doing a lot of event work. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that we mean like being at concerts and stuff like that? No, or? it was more, um, you know, the, the out in Canberra type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So just sort of social photography. And actually, if we're just going <laughs> to get into my background, mm. the, the first sort of thing I started doing that really was where I was making money from photography was um, shooting, I guess, what you would call OnlyFans content. 
Right. Yes. So that's um, once upon a time in a past life. That's what I used to do. How interesting. Yeah. So actually, you know what? Let's go f- back further. Okay. Because sure. we need to figure out how you got into that. <laughs> so with photography, is that something that you've always had an interest in? Is that something that came at a particular point? Did something move you to it? Or is, how did that happen? Yeah. Um, I've always been really an avid cinema watcher, I suppose. Right. Um, so initially, I really wanted to get into film. So I went and studied media production, and I very quickly realized that um, the focus was on turning us into directors or producers, and all I really cared about was being behind a camera and making, uh, composing shots, making it look pretty, um, playing with the lighting. Um, and so photography was a natural progression from that, I suppose. Where did and you study, by the way? Where did you go? I studied at CIT. Okay. Um, did the media production course there, and then years later would do uh, diploma in photography as well. Mm-hmm. And you were Canberra-born? No, I was actually born in Mildura, but I've been in Canberra since I was maybe six. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah so yeah. basically Canberra-born. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And so the, the kind of change from moving image, if I can call it that, to photography, mm, mm. I, once you got into that, you were probably like thinking, this is actually what I was really interested in, right? This yes. was that, that moment. So therefore that kind of almost cemented the idea that you would like to work in photography full yeah. time. But, but at that point, did you already have a vision? Because I know in photography, you know, people split off into commercial stuff, uh, artistic, mm. event, mm-hmm. uh, wedding. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's many other categories I'm probably mm. missing out plenty, mm. but that's kind of like the general ones that I can think of mm-hmm. from the top of my head. Were you already kind of thinking, you know, I want to be more of an artist? <laughs> or yeah. were you thinking more commercially already at that point? No, um, didn't think commercially until much later. It was always just a hobby. And I never really thought that I'd be able to make a serious go of it. Um, I always thought of myself as an, in air quotes, artist. Um, I like to do more creative work, conceptual sort of portraits. Um, and I used to just do it as a hobby for a really, really long time. I had a couple of friends that um, had their own online profiles going and we would just sort of hang out and um just really regularly just explore different places and take some sort of fun portraits and do some creative things and for a long long time it was just that it was just um yeah creative portraiture mm-hmm. and i always but just a hobby myself, or were, you, were you making money out of that it took a little bit to make money for a long time i was just doing it for the love of the game yeah. so i would just work retail casually not even full-time um and i would just bum around with my friends and we would just take photos and i sort of started thinking that i'd really like to get into fashion photography um so i liked to think of myself as someone who was moving in that direction um but you know as it is with anything you sort of change your path a few times throughout your journey and um i've found myself where i am now i suppose and that point you know how you said you were kind of interested in fashion photography mm. for example and and the portrait stuff as well were you looking up to anyone at that point like either on a local scale in terms of a business that you mm. liked the look of and you kind of went one day i want to have something like this yeah or even more of a grander scale were there any kind of photographers that you know have always wowed you in a way and then you know, their style and the way they did things was something that inspired you. Yeah, um, definitely when I was in that sort of stage, there was a, I don't know if you would know, a photographer in the US called Larry Allen. Yeah. That was um, who I used to look up to and just really enjoyed the visceral nature of his work. I liked how raw it was. Um, and then a couple of other sort of, all, all international artists, I suppose, um, 
lots of edgy sort of photographers in the US. Uh, I really liked their work at that time. And, and if you go back and trawl through the depths of my really old work, a lot of it is me trying to sort of emulate that mm. look. Yeah. But then I guess the more you do it, the more you realize that's boring elements and you're learning from them, but it's mm. not you. So you have to kind of find exactly, yourself. Exactly, yeah. Do, do, would you say comfortably, and I know it's a, it's a process of evolution like always through life, but yeah. would you say at this point where you are in your mm. career that you have found that moment where it's you? And I mean, I know you're yeah. shooting for clients and for a brief, so yeah. there's a commercial sensibility to it, but is there a you in every single photo? I, I think so. And I think about this a lot um, because I, you're right. Like when you're learning, you are emulating others, or at least that's what, how I used to operate. Mm. Uh, you would sort of try and reverse engineer things that you see that you enjoy. And then you would try and turn that into something that you could do and reproduce. Um, but over time, I really became conscious of the fact that I had to find my own style. And I feel like recently that is something that I have gotten closer to doing and I feel like particularly with food um, when I'm doing a food shoot now I feel like I've maybe in the last six months even very recently settled into what I think feels like my go-to style and I, I, I like to think that I'm sort of slowly getting to a point where people can see a photo and say that's that's a Ben Calvert photo yeah 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 and I know <laughs> I I know, like I said, that I'm sure that that'll forever keep on evolving. Yeah. But it must feel, you must feel content in some way because, you know, people want to find their own. I don't, I don't want to call it a signature look because unless you were doing stuff purely for yourself as an artist, it would yeah. be very difficult to apply it all the time. Yeah. But again, th th there must be something in the consideration of the shoot that you do, whether it's light or composition or whatever mm -hmm. else mm -hmm. that has that element. It, can you summarize it in layman's terms? So what am I looking for if I'm looking for a Ben Calvert photo? Ben Calvert photo, I like to describe myself as bright and bold. Okay. Um, so, yeah, very much when I was doing it as a hobby years ago and I uh, was sort of having fun with it, I really liked an edgy, sort of moody look and it always used to be that that I was embracing. Something clicked in my head at some point and I don't really know when it happens, but I went the complete opposite way. So <laughs> if I was to describe it now... Uh, I like, to, I like to say that most of my work, I try and make it as bright as possible without being overexposed. Yeah. And I try and strip down the frame so that there's only what needs to be in it. I don't want to, I want to avoid clutter mm -hmm. all the time. Um, so yeah, bright, bold, minimal. That's really what I'm trying to go for. So those, those sort of bright highlights, um, high contrast. Yeah. That's the look, I think. So in other words, if Dracula were to hire you for his portrait, <laughs> would you have problems? Yes. Uh, look, <laughs> you've got uh, to work to a brief, like you mentioned earlier. Sometimes um, it's something out of your comfort zone. I'm sure I could but make he it might, work. But he might be wearing a really nice red cravat and say, look, let's make that pop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Highlight I mean, that. The rest of you is a bit dark. It's very dingy in here. <laughs> Should open the window, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dracula, it's time for a remodel. Yeah. Let's, let's rebrand you. <laughs> Um, all right, now let's go back to where we were before. So obviously, you know, you're trying to find your, your space and everything else and you're getting kind of work, but you're getting paid for it. Now, this is probably just before you uh, registered the business. Are we still in that zone? Yeah, maybe it, probably about 2017 I registered the ABN um, when I was studying. Yeah. Um, still very, very inconsistent spotty income at that time. Sure. Yeah. So how did you end up finding the... Um, 
I mean, you've obviously got quite a big client base, which you can probably talk about some mm, of the, the mm. ones that you work with. But how did you end up building that up? And and reason me, I'm thinking of you know people who are probably in the same position as you, but many years ago, right? The logic would say that you know you need experience in mm-hmm. order to attract clients, which I guess you were doing, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of unpaid work in there in order to get yeah. that. The other aspect of it, how do you market yourself? You know, being present in the right places, talking to the right people, and yeah. waiting for that opportunity to come that somebody might give you a go. But it was there. What were you doing? Both of those things. Did you have a bit of a strategy? What happened that ultimately made you go? I've now got a functioning business where mm. I do have clients. Work is coming to me either proactively or reactively. Well, I guess there's a couple of things that um, we can unpack. There's a couple of things on that note, I suppose. So to take a right back to the start of this whole journey, I suppose, um, I reached a bit of a crossroads where I was very certain that I didn't want to do the usual route of go to uni and Mm. get some kind of um, office job. I knew that wasn't for me. I knew I had to do something creative. And I, I remember I was applying for a job with the police and midway through the application i was just like i actually can't do this i know that this isn't in my heart what i want to do so pretty much the same day i applied to enroll for the diploma of photography at cit Mm. and i was like you know what i just have to see this thing through i'm going to give it my all i'm going to go study and i'm going to make it a focus to to network as best i can and um pursue every opportunity that comes my way during that time and so that's what i did and i just went to i started studying and i took it seriously and i made it a bit of a mission to get some sort of job in that field um, while i was studying so i did get a job at a, a wedding and family portrait studio and uh, around the same time, I sort of, uh, I sort of, let's scratch that. <laughs> and around that same time, I replied to uh, a post that I saw somewhere of um, looking for social photographers, um, and I started doing that. And the thing about shooting events is that um, when you're shooting events, you have the benefit of being at an event, which means that you can network and meet a whole bunch of people. Mm. And just slowly, organically, I guess I met enough people and it got to the point where they said, hey, you shoot events, uh, can you do other things as well? And so I would start getting these odd, more commercial-leaning jobs. And it really sort of grew from there. Then the other big catalyst, I would say, is um, COVID. So... Mm. I was still shooting, you know, I was shooting events. I was shooting the odd commercial job at that time. Um, but I was still shooting what I touched on right at the very start, um, a bit of OnlyFans content for a couple yeah. of people that I was friends with. And I knew this isn't really what I want to be doing. So um, there was this desire in me to pivot and uh, I'd become aware of personal branding hmm. and that, uh, aware that that was a niche. And I was very sort of conscious of that. I had that in the forefront of my mind. And then we all went into lockdown. Um, all the event work dried up overnight. Mm. Uh, I lost my job at the um, wedding studio that I was at. And I found myself with all this abundance of free time. And once I got past the initial you know, depression, 
panic of, oh, my God, I've just moved into a new rental and I can't even afford to pay rent because I don't have no income. Mm. Um, got a – was lucky enough to get a government job, um, so just a contract working at Services Australia, answering the Centrelink phones. Yep. Uh, found myself with all this free time and I sat down and I was like, you know what, let me use this as an opportunity to strategize a complete pivot, redesign my website, overhaul everything, make a new Instagram, come up with a new logo, um, a new brand palette and really position myself as a branding and commercial photographer. Over time, that grew into branding products, food, and still events because I actually do enjoy shooting events. Um, and then gradually, gradually, things got back to normal post-COVID. Um, at that time, I was doing a little bit of work with the Canberra Centre and I found myself um, photographing a lot more food as well. And now that's sort of become one of my core niches, I would mm. say and the thing that I enjoy most. Um, after some time doing the uh, Services Australia job, I applied for another job ad that I saw online uh, at another photography studio doing lots of family portraiture. Uh, worked there for a year or so. And... As luck would have it, um, the two people that I was working for turned out to be absolute legends. Um, so shout out to Steph and Janet. Um, I ended up leaving that job as I had built Ben Calvert Photography to the point where it could actually sustain me. Um, but I still work really closely with them because we've also formed another company. Mm -hmm. um, so co-directors with Steph and Janet in a company called Authentic School Portraits. So that's what I split my time between now is uh, Authentic School Portraits and Ben Calvert Photography. Um, as opposed to uh, Awkward School Photos. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's and that's, um, that's, the whole, that's the whole mission. Yeah, yeah, and, nice. you know, school portrait photography seems to be stuck in the uh, 1980s and we're here to sort of <laughs> contemporize it and uh, disrupt it a bit. That's because everybody's been waiting for so long that it's become cool again, <laughs> you know, that whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't imagine. I mean, it's interesting listening to you about the COVID experience. It's, wow, that would have been, that would have been quite intense. But, it's, yeah, but yeah. I like how the fact that you didn't, um, you didn't give up on the mission. Quite on the contrary, you found a way by which you could say, well, I'm going to revise this and see if I can make it better. I'll come mm. back even stronger than I did before mm. based on personal branding. In fact, so that's just one thing that I wanted to ask. You mentioned when you were talking about your history there that you kind of started looking at branding. You meant your own, right, in terms of the importance of your own branding in order to gain clients? Or do you also mean branding in terms of the photography that you do for others who are trying to use that photography for branding purposes? Well, I suppose both. Okay. Um, so I thought, thought a lot more seriously about uh, how I was presenting myself online and my own personal brand mm -hmm. and my own business brand and identity um, and my tone of voice, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but also became really aware of this niche of photography that was starting personal branding, um, which I don't know if you really remember, but it didn't seem to exist in 2017, even up to 2018, um, still a very recent thing yep. in Australia, at least. Maybe it was um, different internationally, but I noticed that uh, it really sort of started to pick up a bit of momentum. And I was like, "Hey, I like this. This incorporates what I already know about portrait photography. Mm. Um, you know, I can take the the skills that I learned with my 
portraiture with a, a fashion edge yeah. and translate it into something a bit more commercially viable. Yeah. How would you describe that? So, I mean, like, how, how would you use photography for personal branding? Like, mm. tell me about a client that you might have had and what journey they took with you for that. Yeah, sure. Um, let's just look at a personal trainer client, for mm-hmm. example. So, you've got the initial discovery call um, that I would have with any client who reaches out to me. And that's where we unpack, you know, who are you really? Um, what do you do, obviously? Mm. Um, who is your core demographic. But then I also like to dig a little deeper and say, you know, what's your why? Um, Why do you do what you do? Who are you other than a person who delivers this service? And then from there, get a bit of an idea of how we can put together a photo shoot that portrays somebody as the person that they are. So for a personal trainer, that looks like them obviously in a gym setting contextualized uh, in that space. So we get like some portraits, we get them working with clients, helping them as they're working out, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But then, you know, this personal trainer lives in the sort of Western Creek area Mm -hmm. and likes to go uh, for for walks with their dog, likes to go hiking, for example. So we incorporate a little bit of that. Um, We get some photos of them in that beautiful Canberra scenic sunset light um, in that area and then through uh, capturing all these things we give we end up with a, a suite of imagery that they can use to basically present the version of themselves that they want to be seen as or mm. they want to be known as yep. to the world and they can use that in their marketing collateral they can use that on their website um, and social channels obviously yeah. so it becomes all about telling a, a longer form story visually through having a whole bunch of photos or visual assets essentially yeah. to do that. So rather than, so it, the most basic principle we could say is, you know, you can get photos taken these days purely just for LinkedIn profiles and people do. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think there's an AI program which does that for you. I was now. talking to somebody yeah, about that the other day. That's grab, really scary. You put your photo in and then it just gives you a couple of different suits or whatever, yeah. depending on which way you're going with this and puts you into an office environment. Um, but yeah, so, so that, but let's just take that longer. So what it means, you know, how would you then tell a further story about who you are? Mm-hmm other channels other content mm. uh, you could have then uh, a media pack ready mm-hmm. if you're ever doing something in that space so yeah it's about essentially telling a longer narrative i think visually that's, yeah that's definitely what it comes down to, which i think is, is probably a nice way of describing it i mean i guess you know you're probably too busy with the clients but in some way you thinking about your brand of ben covert and the website and all those things that you were talking about and changing mm. the instagram feed was really leaning into that um, I mean, this is a, a side, but I look at obviously album covers of uh, releases, musical releases that are yeah. coming out, and I still like the, um, the amount of effort that bands put in, or producers or musicians yeah. put in into their album cover, and I think it actually tells a lot about who the person is or what yep. image they're trying to portray. Yeah, clearly, right? Yeah, but when they get it right, it's not about having this. Uh, integration of all the artwork for the last couple of years looking exactly the same but there is a thread visually through it and I actually really quite like that because it means that someone's thought about exactly the story and the mood they're trying to to kind of give off and say well my music is this kind of mood and therefore my album covers look like this as well so there's a alignment between design or visuals and music and therefore it all works in that kind of com space all the design elements you know where where you put them uh, the color palette the lighting the mood the costuming 
yeah. It's all branding. And I guess, you know, we're talking about, I guess I'm talking about uh, album covers here, but really if we think of the photos that we put out, they're covers that represent us. So therefore, again, people will read into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, pr- pretty minor stuff. Is it inside, outside? Is it a studio shot? Is yeah. it uh, what kind of face expression you have, you know? And mm-hmm. the good thing is that we tend to be relatively good judges of ourselves. So we sometimes look at photos of ourselves and go, well, geez, look a bit serious there. Yeah. And other people might go, you look great. But you're like, yeah, I know, but I'm giving off the wrong vibe. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not that person. We're I our own be... harshest critics. Exactly. Yeah. But in some way, what we're trying to do is match what we're feeling on the inside to, to what we're presenting on yeah. the outside and yeah. if it feels right well then we tend to be happy with our photos if we ever can be you know <laughs> um noting i never was happy with the photos you took off me but that's okay but that's oh, what's wrong with no. me Ash, no, i'm no. fighting out years later no, the technique was awesome <laughs> it's just me it's just me. I'm like, why am i pulling that face but anyway <laughs> I was just trying to do a Zoolander moment. And no, it's you just looked very sharp. Oh, you, you've obviously you. practised that. Oh my God, I was fishing around <laughs> for compliments here. Um, let's go back to the OnlyFans thing. I just wanted sure. to unpack that for a moment, only because um, hearing that, especially to work in photography in that space, I think people would have three different reactions. Those who are like, that is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Those in the middle who will think like, mm, sure, whatever. Yeah. And those who will be horrified by the idea yeah. of ever having to work in that space because, you know, that kind of intimacy is, is just a bit much. How did you approach it? I mean, which camp were you in? Yeah, yeah. look, you're definitely right. Um, a lot of people would hear that and go, oh, my God, that's the best job ever. <laughs> um, it's, but it's really not as exciting as it might sound um, because at the end of the day, you're, still, you're focused on trying to execute a, a flattering well-composed photo of somebody. So you're constantly thinking about the light. You're constantly thinking about how something looks in frame. Um, There's nothing remotely sexy about it, or at least it doesn't feel like that. Um, Because you're looking at it from like a technical point of view. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So obviously you have to be conscious of the fact that, you know, this is the the, the function that it's serving um, for the client. Um, but you leave that to them. So the people that I was working with were, were just friends of mine, which I suppose helps. Maybe that helps right. is that, uh, there was already that existing rapport yeah. and there was already that friendship dynamic. It wasn't a stranger. Um, but you know, you, they knew what they were doing. They had their online personalities that they'd, uh, sort of built up over the years and they really knew how they would look in frame, what poses to sort of go to, yeah, cool. et cetera, et cetera. And I was really just there to make it as flattering as possible through the use of light and lens choice and um, composition, like I said. Mm. Yeah. Let's just say, for argument's sake, that, but let's say it kind of snowballed from mm-hmm. that. And your work was such that all of a sudden you got uh, an increased amount of uh, people who were on OnlyFans or whatever else. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's other sites like it. I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but essentially, you know, you started end up getting a lot of work in that space mm. would that would you be kind of thinking no i'm going to gravitate away from it because it's not where i want to go ultimately you know you, you love yeah. doing the food stuff it's and what have exactly you exactly what i did oh <laughs> yeah. okay so so yeah. it's not yeah I, I see what you mean because i was trying to say if that that ended up becoming a huge money earner and obviously you were very good at it mm-hmm. would you would you have considered to keep on going with that or is that definitely yeah. not a thing for you i think there was definitely opportunity for me to do it um perhaps at that time i was still kind of just having fun with it sure. and it felt like it was this weird middle ground between hobby and actual realized income. Um, but I, I, yes, I guess I, I was, because I was still sort of approaching it as, you know, this is just something that's half hobby. I didn't perhaps have the business mind to take it as far as it could have gone. It, there was definitely opportunity for it. Um, but at the other 
the the flip side to it is that I I really just kind of sabotaged it myself because I was so conscious of you know this isn't really what I want to be doing if I am going to be a photographer for a career um, I want it to be more commercial that's that was where my interests lay mm. um, but yeah interesting to to look back on it and go that really could have grown into something even bigger mm. but it yeah, I'm just the only reason I'm saying that is you know my understanding is that OnlyFans is is only getting bigger and bigger, of right? Course. And I mean I, again I mean I made the joke about not knowing much about it, and I actually don't. But what I do know is that in terms of the market, you know, I probably only heard the the words OnlyFans a few years ago mm. at best, probably through mm. media, and then I understand that it's you know quite a common thing, and you always kind of hear about people falling out of reality television shows, and the next mm. thing they'll do is go into that. So you kind of hear it constantly, right? Mm-hmm. But therefore, I would assume that it's growing in scale quite quickly mm. with that in mind there is most certainly a business there to provide professional service um and that's why my mind went to were you just sitting at the beginning of something that could have been massive yeah. and did you make a conscious decision not to pursue that uh or was it something else yeah that that was absolutely what it was um mm. you know hindsight is twenty twenty, obviously so you, you don't realize it at the time that you're right at the cusp of something that's just about to explode you know talking about like catching the wave and mm-hmm. recognizing patterns emerging and trends um but yeah I, I think about that or i used to think that about, about that a lot that uh there was something there that i just kind of actively moved away from yeah. but it all worked out for the best anyway because what i'm doing right now I can't imagine doing anything more, mm. um, especially especially the food photography. Um, it just seems like I've managed to stumble my way into the the most fun job of all time. <laughs> so what so what makes food so fun? Because my understanding, tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I've I've never worked in fast moving consumer goods. Uh, I understand that when it comes to photography of food for commercial things, mm. fast food restaurants and all that kind of stuff, half the time the food isn't real, it's it's heavily caked in hairspray to mm. make it look glossy. Because mm. the problem is that moment of food looking delicious is actually relatively short-lived before it starts to collapse a little bit, yeah. move, the heat goes out of it, there's no more steam. Yeah. So there's a lot of trickery in that kind of photography. But, of course... Then again, I'm, I'm sure they're probably not doing that kind of stuff to Donna Hay. I, I don't know, right? So tell me about it. What, what is it? Is it is it the technicality? Is it because you love you're a foodie? Mm. Is it because it's difficult? Is it because it comes easy to you? What is it about food photography that really captures you? I think it's just about taking something that already looks so good, and I think you know, 99% of us would say we or we love food, and when food comes out to us that looks really nice, we're, we're so wowed by it, and we can't wait to eat it, and it already looks so delicious. Um, but taking something like that and actually showcasing it in a way that is a fair representation of how it deserves to be portrayed, mm. if that makes sense. So um, therefore very realistic? Yeah, but also trying to make it look even better than it already looks. There's a way that it looks when it's served on a plate in front of you and there's a way that it looks when you take a photo of your fo- with your phone mm. and put it on Instagram. Um, but trying to elevate it even further and make it look as appealing as possible. And that's where, yeah, the, I, I think I enjoy the, um, the marketing application of it. Yeah. You know, trying to, you know, you'd think that food isn't a very hard product to sell, but in a, in a place like Canberra, it's um, an extremely competitive field. Yeah, right. And um, it's it's fun for me to be able to make something look so good that it's going to be easy for you know the um, the agency that I'm working with or the the marketing person in house at the restaurant um, 
to successfully promote the business with. Mm. Yeah. And do you ever have to resort to the kind of tricks that I was talking about in fast food? No, it's so funny to hear you say that because I think um, a lot of people have this conception that uh, that is something that happens, but that's something that happens on the very, very high budget um, mm. editorial or billboard photography. Yeah. And there's a couple of times where, you know, you'll be um, working with a chef at a restaurant and they'll say, oh, don't just make sure you don't eat that. It's it's cooked so that it looks really good in the photos, but it's not really mm. edible. Um, but that's that's pretty much the extent of it yeah. in when you're shooting for hospitality mm. um, on that level anyway. Yeah. And, and saying that, I mean, any kind of uh, photography issues that have been part of for hospitality in Canberra, it's always been the real thing. Like yeah. they cook it, they put it in front of you, and then what that happens if it, for example, let's just say it's ice cream, right? Yeah. It starts to melt, yeah. they just replate it again with a new dish. But mm -hmm. yeah, that wasn't really tricky to be used. And you're right, it was all about the techniques to make it mm. as beautiful as it can be. But I guess there is something about you want it to look elevated, but most certainly real. And maybe just because there's been so many cooking shows and everything else, we're actually used to seeing food well photographed that is most certainly real mm -hmm. rather than exactly commercialized in the sense that we were just discussing before. Yeah. And I think there's been a move away from that. Um, at one time, it used to be that uh, extremely staged, um, mm. picture-perfect look. And there's a desire for something more raw and natural and i think that that's not just in food i think that's in um a lot of niches of photography uh you see that a lot there's a and i think you can maybe put it to the the rise in prominence of of social media and the fact that we're living our lives online now we um have such a desire like an innate desire in inside ourselves to to connect with others i think we just crave rawness and uh and realness mm -hmm in general and so i think that that has translated through to photography and um, food photography um as an extension of that yeah i guess people talk about there's been a shift away from highly stylized photos altogether i you know the kind of stuff you'd see a couple of years ago on instagram to stuff that's by far more organic but what that really means is it's captured in a way that's by far more candid and in terms of the, the work, because obviously you're talking about kind of finding really your niche and everything else, is there enough of that kind of work in, in Canberra to fulfill a foreseeable future? Yeah, it definitely feels like it. Um, I like to think that there's a lot, there's enough work to go around. Obviously, there's no shortage of um, photographers in Canberra, but there's also no shortage of businesses, whether that be cafes like we're such a foodie capital here or even just people that you know like i mentioned earlier personal trainers but any kind of professional service um there is no shortage of public servants who have a side hustle uh that they really want to market effectively um and there's always those kind of people to be found uh, and as long as you can find them or as long as they can find you because you're marketing yourself effectively there's uh there's always going to be work that's what mm. it feels like anyway yeah that's that's a good point and i mean it's good to hear that because i was worried that you would say well you know if you've got a kind of bigger dreams of working on food photography ultimately that will take you away from canberra but mm. it seems like you're saying there's enough there's enough opportunity here, at least for the time being. Well, it's funny you say that because that's um, talking about moving away from Canberra. That's, uh, I think, what dissuaded me from fashion photography a little when I when I started noticing really okay. where that was actually happening. Uh, I kind of noticed that that doesn't really exist 
in Canberra and that would mean a move to Sydney or, or uh, maybe Gold Coast or Brisbane or mm-hmm. something. Um, so quickly sort of diminish that idea because, you know, my family's here. I love Canberra. I don't want to move. Um, but it does feel like there's an abundance of these kind of clients to be found in Canberra and Canberra surrounds as well. Um, you know, I just did a shoot in Threadbow the other week. Um, that was really fun. But um, we're a growing city and I don't know, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm just naively optimistic. No, no, no. <laughs> it, yeah. Not at all. It's worked out so far. Yeah. Um, however, talking about optimism, one thing I wanted to check in with you is do you do any video work at all? I have started doing a little bit of it. Yeah, I was going to ask you this because my understanding is that, and especially in the commercial space, uh, yeah, photography definitely plays a very important part, mm. but video is just the staple now of marketing. Mm. And I wonder whether you're getting somewhat forced into it. And the only reason I said use the yep. word force is because, like you were saying before, when you did your studies, you were thinking, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. I'm just wondering that now that you can see that there is a push, and I'm sure mm. clients are saying to, well, actually, hang on, we need a reel for this thing. 100%. Can you can you help me? Yeah. Did you are you picking up with with gusto or somewhat reluctantly yeah. or yeah? Talk to me. About Look, it's that. it's so funny because um, forced is such a dirty word, <laughs> but <laughs> but it's a fairly uh, it's a fairly accurate way of um, describing the move into. Uh, learning video and um, trying to offer video as well because you know I, I'm not stupid I pay attention to the trends and I pay attention to what the market demands and I pay attention to what is true and that is that um, short-form video content is insanely popular right now and is only going to continue to be so uh, and you do have a lot of clients who you do photo work for that do start saying hey can you put together like a reel for us as well and um, so it was definitely born out of necessity. I recognized that that was something that I was going to have to upskill in and something I was going to have to be able to offer people. But I don't, I don't hate it. Um, photography is always going to be my number one love, but uh, photo, uh, video is also very fun. And I think the, the thing that you don't really sort of notice until you um, – do both is how different they actually yeah. are people just assume that it's exactly the same if you can do one you can do the other but i know a lot of videographers who would say oh man i can't i can't do photography that's and i, I sometimes i feel a little bit like that about video as well but it's something that i'm i'm getting better at and i mm-hmm. literally just edited something the savo uh for a client and i was i looked at it and i went you know what that's like actually pretty good <laughs> i'm pretty happy with that um and it's it's a different kind of it's a different kind of fun and once you go past the the mental barrier of it's a completely different beast and mm. you have to approach it differently um yeah you can have some fun with it but i guess you could tap into that original love that you had way before you even started studying you said you were kind of really into cinema exactly well i mean yeah there you go and you know it's not so much you've got to direct a film here mm. it's a different proposition but you know you can't tap into the love of telling a short story and how much difference a particular camera angle makes and how the edit is different for different things and you get my point you yeah. know i'm sure you could tap into that excitement and yeah make it your own <laughs> absolutely so then yeah. it's not so forced <laughs> exactly exactly yeah um if there was if if all clients were happy to just let me uh focus on making something look really arty that that would really be perfect <laughs> but uh the it's the raw um sort of uh short form punchy yeah. reels content that people like 
but yeah, yeah. No, you, you're absolutely right. It um it does sort of tap back into that initial love that I had. Well, there you um, go. So now that, yeah. now that you're going to be doing that photo shoot for Dracula soon, <laughs> you can say to him, listen, do you want to do just some yeah. additional contents or something here? And we'll do some reels for you. Yeah. You are going to have to open that window, we'll though. 15-second card. Yeah. <laughs> Canberra Centre are, are definitely one of my biggest sort of repeat clients. Mm-hmm. I work with fairly consistently. Um, I've found myself shooting a lot for a few retail outlets around Canberra. And in fact, uh, I think I do work for all of them now. Okay. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty big sort of return, uh, repeat mm-hmm. client, I suppose, is uh, all of those. Um, other than that... Do you have any hospitality venues that you specifically do food for? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, I <laughs> did a lot of work with uh, Pialago Estate until uh, yeah, recent fairly recent uh, <laughs> events. Broadburger, I've done okay. a lot of work with. Um, I'm really bad at coming up with examples on the spot, Ash. This but is, we're talking terrible. about relatively, well, quite iconic kind of Canberra, yeah. Canberra things here. Yeah. Do you get to work for, or have you done any freelancing work for publications that require food photography? Because, I mean, famously, there, there's mm. a lot of magazines and online magazines yep. that have photographers working for them. Yep. Sometimes they're not in-house photographers either. Mm. But do you ever do that kind of work? Um, I don't think I've done so many of those kind of shoots that are, that are specifically for those online publications. Mm. But uh, a lot of these photos that I take for restaurants and cafes do tend to end up in her Canberra, for example. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's um, a bit of a natural cross-pollination thing that's happening, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's like I said, it's only a stone throw away to do bigger things, but at least you're doing that for, for the local community, yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is kind of cool. What's the, um, I mean, you talked about the challenges of, you know, setting up the business, which I think is, is really nice of you to kind of share that. Uh, what was, or is still, maybe I should probably say, the hardest thing about what you do? Mm. Like, what is the most difficult aspect of, of the career that you've chosen? I would say that the most difficult thing um, up until towards the end of last year was really just the time management. Mm. Um, but there comes a time when you realize, hey, I don't have to do everything myself. Uh, so, you know, bringing on help to actually assist you. Um, in, in this case, it's uh, finding someone who can actually do the editing for me cool. was a massive game changer. Um, but, you know, that sort of lends itself more to the the bigger thing that I would say is that the biggest challenge is uh, focusing on working on the business and not being so caught up in working in the business, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. So making sure that I am actually paying attention to trends and s- still learning and uh, doing things that I need to do to ensure that that work is still coming in rather than just getting stuck on the hamster wheel of doing all this editing and editing and editing. And... Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much the biggest challenge. Mm. Um, trying to move away from that, I def- there definitely used to be an element in me of, you know, the fear of the work drying up. Yeah. But just trying to approach life with an abundance mindset in general, uh, just trusting the process and having faith that, you know, I am actually pretty good at what I do. And so as long as I don't get complacent and as long as I am still pushing myself and as long as I am still demonstrating an interest in continuously evolving and getting better at what I'm doing and learning more about 
business operation rather mm. than just photography practices as well, that um, the work will be there. Um, that's that's really yeah. that. And uh, what about the flip side? So what is the best part of it? I mean, again, is it, you know, the success of clients being very happy with the work? Mm. Is it you looking at stuff that you've done, you know, that ends up having some broad explosion thinking, I actually shot this and I'm really <laughs> proud of it? Yeah. Um, is it something else? Like what's the kind of most positive aspect of the career that you've chosen? Um, there's a couple of really big positives. Um, number one is the people I get to meet. Um, meet some really, really interesting people, hear some really interesting stories when I work with, you know, business owners in Canberra. That's really cool. Um, yeah, just that, the the massive network of people that I now know because of what I've chosen to do for work. Um, I've met some really cool people and I really enjoy that. You just like it. being popular, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm saying hello to everyone, walking down the street, giving them high fives. I know your vibe. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, the other thing that I would say is just the immense personal satisfaction I get from doing something that I am really, really proud of. And I would say that it's kind of to an unhealthy extent sometimes where my self-worth seems to be directly tied to how good of a quality of work I can produce. <laughs> but, um, I do really, really love the feeling of not only being proud of something that I produce, but you know, when I deliver a gallery and I get a response back in all caps from somebody because they're just absolutely like raving about how good it is. That feels amazing. But also when I see those photos being used um, in ads uh, or elsewhere and seeing the reception that it gets, mm. that's also really, really fun. That also feels really, really good. It's a bit like, you know, what an artist does when they have a painting displayed and they see people discussing it, yeah. good or bad, doesn't matter, yeah. but discussing it, being attracted to it in yeah. one way or another, and that feeling of other people, you know, being engaged by the work, apparently yeah. there's a huge high. Yeah. Um, it's no different here, I guess, because people are looking at work that you, like I said, there's a bit of Ben in there, right? Mm. So by them engaging with that, there's some part of you that's like, yeah, they're engaging with some part of me too. Yeah, I've never really thought about it like that, but that's, um, that's very true. It's just the... <laughs> The confirmation that you've done something yeah. good it's the it's yeah. the affirmation it's like a, a a sense of like a pat on the back you mm -hmm. know it's um it's it's nice to sort of get recognition sometimes i think yeah. and you know like you said like the, that big digital screen at the canberra center when you see a photo of yours on that it's yeah. kind of like whoa pinch yourself mate yeah, you know fun, <laughs> it's really cool something grand about it yeah that's, that's exactly right um and in terms of the photography uh, obviously you were talking about this a little bit before actually maybe in that moment about only fans but you said about the technicality of the photo mm. and i wanted to pick up on that because i have this theory and i could be wrong but mm -hmm. that all photographers and whether it's yourself or Adam or just, just heaps of friends, right. Yeah. That, that I've got actually that, that are in that scene too. Um, Cassie, for example, uh, they are somewhat nerds when it comes to gadgets and devices. <laughs> yeah. in, in other words, the science behind it is quite nerdy. There's actually so much science when it comes to good photography, the yeah. way that lens work, how it lets light in, yeah. what the hell ISO is yeah. and all these things. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's a magic behind that, plus a lot of inspiration. And, and that experience comes from, obviously, people knowing how to work that science to mm -hmm. their advantage. But am I right? Are you slightly, and I mean this in the best possible way, slightly nerdy in, in, in that too? Well, yeah, I think there's two things to pick on there. Um, the first <laughs> is that you're absolutely right. And I'm so happy to hear you say that because uh, 
I like to think of photography sometimes as maths and problem solving. Yeah. I, it almost doesn't feel like art to use that word. I, it, it just kind of feels like maths. You know, a lot of the time you're just doing, you're solving problems. You're doing like equations in your head. What, <laughs> what uh, output does my flash need to be for based yep. on like the distance that yep. it is and, you know, like, et cetera, et cetera, balancing the flash with ambient exposure, so on and so forth. Um, but there's also, yeah, there's a lot of people who, I'd uh, like to nerd out about all the gear and the specifics and all that too, which I'm perhaps guilty of not being as interested in, I okay. suppose. Um, yeah, for example, I shoot the majority of my portfolio on like a, a $200 lens, <laughs> like 95% of my photos um, with a really, really poor quality lens, but it's just something that I found works for me. But yeah, it is, it, it's definitely... So, so maybe not so much nerding out on the gear, no, yeah, not but most certainly out nerding gear. out on the um, on the technicalities and the science, exactly, in order to bring about the result. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you when you sort of, I think a lot of people when they first start an interest in photography, they they go, oh, that looks so cool, and I I don't know how to replicate it. I don't know if I could do it again, mm. or or that looks so cool. I wonder how they did it. I wonder if I can do that. And then when you've actually figure out that um you can basically produce all of that you just need to figure out how you engineer it that that becomes really exciting it's like you feel like you've unlocked a a little superpower you're like oh i i have a grasp on all these concepts and i, I can put it together and um and make it all work and that's yeah that's fun to sort of explore that mm. yeah I, I like that though i just think that there is an art versus science moment when it comes yep. to photography that that's quite profound. 100%. Um, and I mean, I'm sure that any artist even working with any media, whether it be, you know, chalk or paint or whatever, will tell you the same thing. Well, there's a science in the way that works. Mm. But probably not as much as technique, I would argue, rather than science. But when it comes to photography, it actually is science. Like truly understanding everything about the light and the warmth and how things are bouncing yeah. off, you know. And and like I said, even even Cass, who I've, I've worked so much on the home stories in the past, mm -hmm. uh, she never comes off as a nerdy person but then she starts talking about star wars and i'm like oh there it is and then <laughs> yeah. and then I, I did hear her talking to another photographer and that conversation went down that path yeah. and i'm like there it is now they're talking about that science yeah. so it's even even there as well so i just kind of realized that it's this this, this triangle that i can draw for every single photographer that i've met so if you're out there and you love the science <laughs> but you also love the art this is the the career for you i guess that's what i'm saying yeah yeah definitely and you know that's like touching on what you sort of mentioned earlier about uh, AI headshots, for example. <laughs> you know, for LinkedIn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, the, that's the thing that's sort of um, that's missing with AI. I think there's a lot of discussion at the moment about uh, what the future of photography looks like mm. uh, with that sort of coming into the fold. But the thing that AI doesn't seem like it's able to do yet, at least, who knows mm. what the future holds, is, uh, is innovate. It can only emulate. So if, if AI can, mm. it can do a really good job of reproducing something in some kind of style but it doesn't seem like it can uh explore new ideas yeah it's only a matter of time before it's able to trick us into thinking it is exploring new ideas yeah. so i think that's the weird thing yeah I mean, not not to get into that conversation too deep because <laughs> no let's get really philosophical no. here Ash. But, <laughs> but i think um you're right i mean i i did also uh use a couple of ai programs recently and just to test them out mm -hmm. and for for the commercial work that i mean yeah uh, i asked for a particular very specific brief and i said i want this mm -hmm. with this kind of people in this kind of environment doing this tell me what you can do and mm. the things that it spat out was 
mediocre at best. Right. In other words, the stock shots I could find on iStock would have been much better quality. Yeah, right? yeah. Even though I don't have that level of uh, direction within mm. those shots, it's still got a long, long way to go. Mm. It's, it's only a matter of time, though, before yeah. it starts pulling you know, data from exactly iStock and all these other places and being able to kind of formulate this stuff beautifully. It's only, it's only a matter of time. But let's not worry about that quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> what makes us human is the fact that we can talk to each other and interpret things. Mm. And you were saying that in your business, you know the thing that you like the most is meeting other people mm. i'm sure that's reciprocated they can't meet another ai and have a good conversation with it well people could argue with <laughs> GDP, but yeah, you get my point there is something very social about the work that you do yeah definitely. and clearly that's that's not going away anytime soon yeah and uh, you know coming back to sort of um portrait photography i suppose it, it uh, feels like it's only 50% taking the photo. The other 50% is knowing how to talk to people mm. and how to keep the energy mm. up and how to act in a way that is going to draw the best reactions out of people and yeah. make them feel comfortable enough to look good. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're making jokes before about that shoot at the camera center where I was a model feeling awkward. <laughs> the, the, the fun thing is, you know, after a, a minute or two, a bit of a conversation, and you were kind of giving me some guidance, said, you know, stand like this, yep. this looks good, then you showed me what it looked like. You know, then I had a bit of a joke, and you You're laughed like, at something. oh, that looks good except for my face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Classic joke. But, you know, the truth is, there is something about that interaction between two human beings. And like I said, there is, there is something intimate about, you know, me staring into a lens that I know you're behind. Mm. I kind of have to connect with you in some way. And if I find that awkward, it will show. Yeah, exactly. So there is, there is something very human about doing that kind yeah. of work. And you yes, can't, I know I can just hold the camera up and take yeah. the photo. You have to talk behind the camera Correct. because otherwise the person's like, oh, yeah, what's yeah. going on? So I think that, that, that there is a magic moment in the, of humanity that's, that's in this profession, I think. Yeah. So. You know. There you go. Good luck to AI. I try to copy that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, um, this is probably the end of our conversation because I noticed um, your phone's ringing and it's probably Dracula wants to know what time you're coming okay, up. Okay, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Don't use any flashes. Remember that. You yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Not, at least not a sunlight Kelvin balance. I think they're okay with candles, though, if you've used those before. Okay. Yeah? Good. I, should, I seem to know a lot about All Dracula, right, don't I? see how much power I can get out of a candle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many, how many, how many watts of power do you get out of this? <laughs> Imagine the science behind candles. Um, but look, it's been lovely talking to you. Thank, thanks for giving me the, um, the kind of story of your life, so to speak, and quite an insight into the kind of work that you do. I think a lot of people who are interested in this scene yeah. uh, will most certainly get a lot of learnings out of it. Yeah, well, look, thanks so much for having me on, Ash. It's, um, it's been a real honor. Like I said, I'm a big fan of this podcast. <laughs> I really you. enjoy listening to it, um, and it's kind of surreal to be here. I hope that I've been interesting. I hope it's, it's been fun for people to listen to. But it's been fun for me to talk. <laughs> we'll let the audience be the judge. <laughs> yeah. let's, see, let's see how many downloads there are. <laughs> no, I'm sure this has been a great experience for them as well. But yeah, the pleasure's been on mine, so thank you. Awesome. Thank you. So there you have it. That was my conversation with Ben Yosef here on Behind the Bio. And I hope you enjoyed that insight into the world of photography. I'm sure many of you share this kind of passion, even though it might be in something else, and therefore appreciate the journey that he's taken, which ultimately has resulted in a successful business that he is running right now, all while staying true to his cause and staying true to being in Canberra and loving this place. If you enjoyed this conversation, then there are others that you might also like. Check out the back catalogue, see if anything tickles your fancy. And if you think somebody else would like a particular episode, then please send it to them. This is exactly how the word about this podcast grows. 
If you'd like to get in touch with ideas perhaps on what other people I should speak to or perhaps other areas I should touch on, then please let me know. Ashley underscore Farod at Outlook.com is one way and behind the bio podcast on Instagram is the other. Again, I'd like to thank the whole coordinate crew for being such legends and allowing me to do this podcast. And I hope you can catch me at the next episode of Behind the Bio.